Well, as we're looking at different subjects about your life, uh, today I want to talk about my money, which is actually talking about your money, which is really God's money. And immediately when we hear there's going to be a sermon about money, uh, we think about a common sermon you've heard before. And it goes something like this. This generation is messed up financially. This nation is messed up financially. And you're messed up financially. And then the benediction comes and we all leave feeling a little more poor, a little more guilty. That's certainly not what I want to accomplish today. Because I really believe this. That from this day forward, your best financial future is in front of you. I believe that not because I have some kind of trick or I have some kind of get-rich-quick scheme today. But I believe that God is loving and gracious. And yes, I've made financial mistakes. You've made financial mistakes. But with his help, we're going to make better decisions starting today. And the decisions we make today are going to affect us tomorrow and make for a much better tomorrow. See, the truth is that the sermon title today is flawed. Because it really isn't my money. If you believe in Jesus Christ and you're following him... It's his money. It's God's money. And that's what we're talking about today. Randy, if you you can help me, just go ahead and pull up all the house lights. And I'd I'd appreciate that. So money is a very emotional subject. Money is a very personal subject. But it's really simple if we start thinking about it. There's about three things you can do with money. You can spend it. And you can give it. And you can save it. And so we just have to get all of those categories right. The truth is, it's God's money, and we get to use it. We get to be stewards. And one of the things we believe here is that we worship God in everything. I know you enjoyed hearing Daniel lead us in worship, and that 20 minutes is so valuable. And we can, in solidarity, sing worship songs and music. So it's such an important way we praise and worship God. But, but we worship God all types of ways, in our attitudes, in our language, in our decisions, and yes, with our money. I, I, the premise of this teaching today is you worship with how you use your money. And we honor God with our money, and that is what he wants you to do. Now, if you saw the news earlier this week, uh, there was an unbelievable story. It was a story that emerged about Vince Young, who used to be our quarterback, as in the Tennessee Titans, the church Indian Lake. We have not fielded a football team yet, but he was a Titans quarterback. And if you're not a sports fan, uh, you, you might not realize this, but in 2006, he was drafted uh, number three overall. And he was guaranteed a contract of $26 million. $26 million. No matter what happened to him, injury-wise, he would get that money. Uh, they, they believe his, the whole scope of his contract was $40 million. Well, the, the story emerged this week that Vince Young, who was recently cut from the Buffalo Bills, is out of money. Can you, can you imagine that? Out of money. And that lesson reminds us of something. I mean, I like Vince Young because he was, he played for the greatest team of all time. That's the Texas Longhorns. We got any Texas fans here? 
No? Okay. I was hoping for a hook'em horns. Uh, but Vince is a great example that income is not the issue when it comes to financial stability. Income's not the issue. Because a lot of us, we, we can, in our mind, begin to think about our financial future. And we, and we think, if I just brought home about $100 more a week, that would just solve my problem. If I got a $10,000 a year raise, then we would really be moving. And, and I think that we need to realize that income's not the issue. Certainly, it would help. An increase of in, income would help. But ultimately, most of us who are adults are making far more money than we did 20 years ago. Not, not all of us, but most of us are. And we see that example and we realize, hey, it's, it's not an income issue. There's something deeper. There's something bigger. And I, I just want to suggest that we have to honor God. We have to look at this whole money thing. Everything we do honors God. And here's the first point that I want you to observe with me today. Is we honor God by living within our means. We honor God by living within our means. Simply put, by spending less money than what we make. And that's the way we honor God. Honoring God with our finances is not just about the offering. And I want to put your mind at ease. Yeah, I'm talking about giving both today and, and I'm going to follow up on Wednesday. But there's not going to be another offering taken today. And we're not going to distribute pledge cards. Uh, because this message is not about institutional advancement. Like trying to raise the income here at this church. No, it's about your life. And you honor God not just by giving, but by spending Meaning every purchase, every financial decision, God's part of. You're in such relationship with the Holy Spirit that if the Holy Spirit wants to tell you, no, don't buy this. Or the Holy Spirit wants to say, yes, spend your money this way. He has the room to speak to you. So many of us have disconnected the Holy Spirit from our spending. And we don't realize that the way we spend our money, the way we, we, we uh, practice our, our spending, it's a way we glorify God. And God wants to be involved. So it is that we, we learn a valuable scripture and a principle from the scripture, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. It says it this way. The rich rules over the poor and the borrower is the slave of the lender. This is the principle that the scripture shows us. The rich rules over the poor and the borrower is the slave to the lender. So it is that when we do choose debt, and I personally don't think debt is a sin. Some of you might have that conviction. I don't really see that as debt being a sin. I would, I would dare say most of us have mortgages. And a good mortgage helps us get ahead financially, and that is helpful. But there has to be a realization that if we choose to go into debt, we're a slave to our debtor. They have an element of control. So ideally, long-term, we want to be debt-free. Debt-free is a better way to live. It's a good way to live. Now, I have a car uh, that I, I bought earlier this year. It was a used car, but it's a nice car. And this car is my car. I use this car to do my professional responsibilities. And I use this car to do my other job, my part-time job, which is to be a chauffeur to my three kids. 
And Beth is rarely in the car because it doesn't really hold five comfortably. And so when we're in the family, we're in her car. But when it's my car, I've got some rules. I have some rules. I have some things. And one of my rules is this. We rarely have to only be an emergency eat fast food in my car. Why? Because it stinks. And it lingers forever. I have, on those times when I have had to eat fast food in my car, it might be 20 degrees outside. It might be 105 plus. But I'm rolling down my windows because I do not want to smell like Wendy's the rest of the day. Because the Taco Bell smell just lingers forever and ever and ever. In addition, you know the wrappers to the straw, the, the, the paper wrappers? Those things are of the devil. Another thing about those is, is when you leave the car, I know this is a scientific fact, they multiply. They have straw wrapper babies, and they're everywhere, wadded up in places, and, and they multiply. So because of that, you know, we say, no, in, in my car is no fast food. And the other thing, my kids, when they get in the car and they take turns sitting in the front seat, they, they used to like to prop their feet up like we were at the beach or something. And during the summer... I didn't know this was a possibility. We would get toe prints on the windshield and Nike and Adidas dust all over my dashboard. So we don't do that. That's, that's my rule to keep your feet down. Don't put them up. Why? Because it's my car. But here's the truth. It really isn't my car. It's the credit union's car. Because every month I'm making a payment right now. I, I, I rarely, I don't like car payments, but I, I made a decision uh, to, to get a car. I didn't have all the cash I wanted to spend. And I made a decision because I was driving a 15-year-old car that didn't have AC. And I decided I'd rather be a slave to the credit union than to go through a third summer with no AC. So that was my decision. So I'm not, that's not a sin. It was just a decision. And I, I had to realize that car really isn't mine. It belongs to the credit union. That's what the scripture said in Proverbs 22, 7. We are slaves. We're slaves to our mortgage lender. We're slaves to our car payments. We're slaves to those uh, those credit card companies that we may have unsecured debt to. We we have to pay their fees. We have to give them money when they want money. So that's a principle that we have to understand. So it's much better, much better to say, hey, let's live on less than we make. Let's live within our means. And living within your means doesn't mean you're a cheapskate. It doesn't mean that you just buy cheap stuff because as consumers for uh, about the last 60 years, advertisers have been tricking us with things like buy one and get one free as if they wouldn't sell it to us anyway. Our 50% off, our 75% off. And all, all of those, those are often tricks just to get us to buy cheap stuff. So being a good steward of God's money doesn't mean you're just buying stuff on sale. It means you buy for quality. And sometimes you need to buy a better product to glorify God. Something that will last longer. Something that will bless more people. The point is this, is that God wants to be your partner in this. He wants you to live within your means and understanding when you live within your means, he gets the glory. That means whenever you decide... Instead of putting this want on a credit card, I'm going to say no. You just glorified God. You just glorified God. Whenever you decide and and you make a decision 
to live within your means and to postpone a trip you wanted to take or to rearrange uh, some of your financial goals to live within your means. You've glorified God. You have worshiped the Lord that way. So that's one of the ways we honor God. Here's another way. We honor God by giving to him first. We honor God by giving to him first. As Pastor David mentioned, yeah, we believe in the tithe and giving. And I'm not going to get into that this morning. I'll, I'll follow up on that a little bit more Wednesday. But it's not just about how much you give. That is important. But it's when you give. It's when you give. It's giving to God first. Not giving God your leftovers. But giving to God first. Now, why is this? Is God uh, on some kind of payment plan where he needs to have our income by a certain time? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. God is concerned about our heart. And he wants us to have a, a yes in our heart, an eagerness, a willingness, a desire to give to him. And one of the ways we do that is through our first fruits. That's why Exodus chapter uh Chapter 34, I believe, excuse me, 23, excuse me. Exodus 23, 19 says this, the first of the first fruits of your land, that was their commodity then. They didn't deal with money. They dealt with agricultural product. The first of the first fruits of your land, you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. So the idea is you should have the attitude of saying my first transaction is going to be what I give to the Lord because he's first. I'm not going to just wait till the end of the month and, and hope it all works out and hope I'm able to give to him later. Following up on this is in Proverbs chapter three talks about the blessing that happens when you do that. Proverbs chapter three, verse nine says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Here's that phrase again, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. That's talking about the blessing that will happen when you become a first fruits giver. This isn't a law. This isn't legalistic. Again, it's about your heart. It's about being eager to give to the Lord and willing to give him. Sometimes mechanically or because of schedule, it might not be that first transaction. And I'll give you an example of of Beth and I are dealing with this right now. She took the summer off from her job uh, to be with the kids and her boss brought her back. I started in mid-August, and our first check came here in September. And since we're out of practice, uh, and she is not carrying her checkbook with her, uh, we haven't given our first fruits tithe yet physically. That's just because of habit. But we have in our checking account, because when I look at that particular checking account, I know part of that is God's money. And so even though habitually we, we get out of the rhythm in our heart, I think she gave that check today. We have put God first. That's what it's about. It's about this willingness and this eagerness to say, yes, God, I want to give to you. And that's part of the way we honor God. We live within our means and then we give to him first. Here's another way is we honor God by saving. We honor God by saving. By realizing that he blesses us when we save. That's not an easy thing to do. There's been times in my life when I haven't been able to or it's been very difficult. But I want to tell you that every single one of you can start saving. Because saving pushes back against 
the false belief in American culture that somehow there's a way to get rich quick. I want to tell you something. If a financial opportunity sounds too good to be true, then it probably is. We've seen this from Enron to Bernie Madoff to all types of smaller, more localized, what we now refer to as Ponzi schemes, where deceivers uh, appeal to people and and try to get them to have a get-rich-quick kind of scheme and participate in that. Wow, when that happens, when that happens, that can leave us really empty at the end. But when we save diligently and little by little, and this is for all of you, this is not just for the young, when, when, we, when we decide, hey, from this day forward, I'm going to have a plan to save, something powerful can happen. Proverbs chapter 13 gives us more wisdom from this. In Proverbs 13 verse 11, it says, wealth gained hastily will dwindle. But whoever gathers little by little will increase it. As a society, as, a, as an economy, basically, we all learned this in the last decade with, with the housing bubble. We used our homes like credit cards to try to get money fast and try to turn those things or try to use our equity to finance things because we thought we had free money. And then when the bubble bursted, we realized, wow, there's just not fast, cheap, quick money. It's little by little. Proverbs 21 reinforces this. Proverbs 21 verse 5 says, the plan of the diligent leads surely to abundance. But everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. So this is, this is what I want to remind you of today. If you're in your 20s or your 30s, what an opportunity you have to start saving just little by little. If you're an empty nester or you're, you are a retiree and you're thinking, it's too late for me. I wish I would have saved earlier. That's not necessarily true. Because any amount that you can save right now, no matter how small it is, will benefit you over the long run. If you can do $25 a month, $25 a month, you know that in a year's time, you'll have almost $300 in savings. After two or three years, you'll have 1000 in savings. Everybody could use $1,000 in savings. You know, one of the things that has helped me, I haven't always been the best at this, but in this current age where we have online banking and you can just transfer money so fast and just move so fast that, that I found an account in another state I used to live in and I'd send money down that way so I could access it as fast. And nowadays I'm using another method to, to put money somewhere where if I can get to it, I won't be penalized, but I just can't get to it that fast. So just a little bit. Is it $10 a month? $5 a month? You can start somewhere. You can start somewhere because that's one of the ways God wants to bless you. He wants to bless your storehouse. He wants to bless what you're saving. And so I think that will go so well for you. That will be beneficial. No matter what stage you're in life, whether you're a teenager or whether you're retired, a little bit of savings is going to help you. It's going to help you a whole lot. Here's the last thing I want us to observe together. Is you honor God by demonstrating generosity. Demonstrating generosity. That is not necessarily a financial transaction. It's an attitude of the heart. 
that you're generous. You're a person who is outwardly focused and you're looking to give. Obviously, money is the commodity we deal with the most. So often it manifests itself in money, but it's not always money. Because some of you perhaps have the ability to make a lot of money fast, but you're not generous with your time. You don't have the capacity in your calendar or your day or your year to even have a significant conversation with someone you love. Someone came by your office or got a hold of you. You're always in a hurry, hurry, hurry. And you're not generous with your time because maybe you have over-evaluated the need to, to make the next dollar. So generosity is about the heart. Generosity is, yes, it, it often and, and maybe most probably manifests itself in money, but there's all types of ways that you can be generous. It's all about your heart and attitude. And the Apostle Paul, he was teaching the church about giving. He was actually asking the church at Corinth for a financial gift. I'm telling you this because I'm about to read a scripture, and I want you to know that in the context of what he was talking about, he was talking about finances, not just about morality, but about finances. And in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, we'll start there. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. He says, remember this. A farmer who only plants a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Again, it's talking about money here. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a perfect, uh, excuse me, God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need. And let's stay on the slide for a second. And plenty left over to share with others. Let's stay there for a second. I italicize those words and I underline them because it popped out to me. This is the goal. This is where God wants to take us to have Plenty left over to share with others. And surplus. And, and having our margins wider. See, this is not just about a scheme. This is about saving. This is about living within your means. It's a process. It doesn't happen just through one sermon or one idea. It's a mindset. As the scripture continues to unfold in verse 9, it says, As the scripture says, and out quotes the Old Testament, They share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and the bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. That's what God wants to see. That's what he wants to see in me. And that's what he wants to see in you. A harvest of generosity. So you have this yes in your heart. You have this overflow in your finances. You have plenty of time to give people not just money, but your friendship and your attention and your time because it all is together. So you can be in surplus. So you can demonstrate generosity, not just when the offering bucket is passed. And that's just one small part of it. But when the Holy Spirit leads you to do something. See, there's been times in my life when I wasn't doing as well managing my money and I felt the Holy Spirit showed me a need and I wasn't able to obey him. But there's been other times when I've been applying some of these principles, when I was in surplus and when the Holy Spirit showed me 
a way I needed to be generous, I was able to do it. I was able to move. I was able to respond quickly. And that's the goal. That's where God wants you to be. And that's why your money is his money. And he can help you. I want to pray with you. Father, I thank you for a chance to look at these scriptures today. And God, I know that no one in this room has been perfect in handling money. We've all made mistakes. And because, Lord, we're in this sinful world, we're not immune from mistakes in the future. But I know this, God, that you're loving, that you're gracious, that you're caring. That, God, you don't treat us as our sins deserve. And, Lord, you don't treat us, uh, Lord, you don't make us suffer the consequences forever for, for bad mistakes we've made. And I thank you, Lord, that you're helping us today. And I, I pray, Lord, that my friends would have a vision of their future, a vision of living in surplus, a vision of being generous in all occasions, a, a vision, Lord, of having a harvest of righteousness. And, Father, help that vision be what drives us, God, to be disciplined, to live within our means. Let that vision, Lord, drive us to give to you first as our first fruits and our offering. Let that vision, Lord, drive us to save when we'd rather spend. And Lord, in the end, God, we believe you're calling us to generosity. I thank you, God, that with you, no situation is hopeless. Lord, for those who are, who are considering bankruptcy or in the middle of bankruptcy or who are responding to that, Lord, I pray this day that you would encourage them and let them know, God, that you have a better future for them. I thank you, God, that we're not always going to be marked by our mistakes, but instead, Lord, when you see our future, God, you see us living these scriptures we read today, that, God, we won't be a slave. Lord, instead, God, we won't be a borrower forever, God, but, God, you will help us, oh, Lord. Lord, I thank you, God, that we will be able to obey and respond to you. I want to pray for those of you who may be married and you're not in alignment with your spouse. And the Lord wants you to know something today. You know, there's been a lot of erroneous teaching that has scared people thinking that you're under some kind of curse if you haven't given the right way or the right time. And I believe Jesus has redeemed us all from the curse. And we're not under any curse. We're under a blessing. And if you're not in alignment with your spouse, the Lord wants to remind you today, just do what you can do. Be faithful to what you're responsible for. Be submissive to one another out of love. And pray that both of you as a couple would obey his voice. Both of you would be able to spend the right way, to give the right way, and to share the right way. So I pray that blessing over you. I pray that the Lord would give you wisdom in that. I, pray for, I want to pray for those of you who are feeling very hopeless. And that your paycheck to paycheck, maybe your mill to mill, your day to day. And sometimes that's suffering the consequences of some bad decisions we make. Can I tell you that though you might be aware of your shortcomings, you serve a God who doesn't have any shortcomings. You have a God who has revealed himself as Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. He's the same God who, when his people were in the desert and they didn't have water to drink, out of the rocks came water that was fresh and good. He's the same God who brought them quail, so that they could have meat. He's the same God who daily brought them manna. He's the same God who when Abraham didn't know what he could sacrifice to the Lord, a ram 
what's caught in a thicket on the other side of the mountain. And the Lord wants you to know today that he's working in ways you can't see. You, you say, you don't know the solution. You don't know the outcome. You don't know how in the world you can make up lost ground. If you can trust the one who does know, there is one who does know. He knows your future. He knows what you need. He knows what the situation is. He's setting divine contacts for you in the future, divine encounters in the future. Our God, that's his character. That's his nature. He cares for your business. He cares for your savings. He cares for your financial future. He is a provider and he's not going to abandon you. The same Jesus who said, I'll be with you even to the ends of the earth. That's the unknown place. That means he'll be with you through financial trouble. He'll be with you through financial stress. And the Holy Spirit is your teacher. And he's going to teach you a new way. Even if you've made the same mistake over and over and over again, the teacher is here and he's going to teach you a new way. And that's, I pray that over you. I pray that blessing over you. I pray for those who are younger in here. I know we have junior high students, high school students, college students. I just pray God a blessing over these students. I pray that little words that they've heard today would sink into their spirit. So God, that they would obey you and they would include you in their financial future. And we thank you and we praise you and we bless you for that. You're a good and great God. Can we stand together? We, we have a couple minutes left together. We prayed over our financial situation. And there's one other thing I want to say about finances before we move to a different, different focus for the service. You know, one of the things that we've encountered through a lot of the teaching on finances is that there seems to be overwhelming guilt that have come on people because of financial decisions. And financial decisions are so important. We're including this in our growth process because we want you to live right and live free. But I just want you to know something. If you have messed things up financially, you're still a great person. I mean, if you've messed things up, that, that doesn't mean that you can't have a huge impact on this world. Thomas Jefferson, one of the most brilliant men to ever live, wrote our Declaration of Independence, started the University of Virginia, one of the greatest thinkers that, that, that really, I believe, humanity has had. You know, unfortunately, when his life ended, he was in so much debt that his, his children and descendants had to sell off most of their assets. But do we think Thomas Jefferson was this horrible person? His life was a waste? Do we think, you know, that certainly wasn't the will of God, and I'm sure it was really inconvenient for his descendants. But Thomas Jefferson, regardless of that shortcoming and other shortcomings, made a great contribution to this world. So I, I don't want you to live in this overwhelming, overriding kind of self-demeaning attitude just because you've made some bad mistakes financially. Let's move forward. Amen? Y'all ready to move forward from this day forward? We're going to make decisions today for a better tomorrow. We're going to be disciplined today. We're going to glorify God with our money. Better decisions. Better spending. A little bit more saving. A little more just, just a greater focus on giving. And there's coming a day of generosity. I believe that with all my heart. Well, we gotta, before I dismiss, I want to give you a couple of minutes to connect with God.